0: Our text this evening will be taken from the book of Ephesians uh, chapter four. We're gonna read verse one and then we're gonna read also verse eleven and verse twelve. That's in chapter Ephesians of four Ephesians four. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Jumping over to verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. God is calling us. God is calling us to do more. God is calling young people. He's calling middle-aged people. He's calling old people. He wants those to take up that cross and to edify God. We see here there are five gifts that are given to the church. Each one of these roles play a very important thing of the body of Christ. This allows the church to function properly. The first one that we we see here is the apostle. You know, the word apostle simply means one who is sent out to be a messenger or an ambassador of Jesus Christ. When we are saved, we are representing Jesus Christ. We are an ambassador every day that we go into the world. Our job is to preach the gospel. The next one here used is the word prophet. I looked up the kind of original definition in Greek says an interpreter or fourth teller of divine will. Divine will. You know, in Matthew 11.11, we read, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there had not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he, that he is the least in the kingdom of heaven, is greater than he. John the Baptist was declared to be the greatest of all the prophets. We know that he was the forerunner of the Messiah. You know that he preached repentance and he prophesied that Jesus was coming back or coming. I'm thankful that we too And we believe, I think most of us believe, that we are living in the end times. We too need to let people know that Jesus is coming back. And they must be ready. It is important for us to declare that, that Jesus is coming. The next one that was used here was evangelist. Evangelist is somebody who brings good news. But not just good news, but bringing news of preaching the gospel of repentance. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are sometimes called the four evangelists. They recorded the ministry of Jesus Christ. We know that contains the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. One of the greatest things that we have that when we get saved is a testimony. One of the most powerful things that we have is a testimony. Often when you maybe get in a situation with somebody, they might sometimes question the word of God. But I'm going to tell you something. When you tell them what the Lord has done for you, they will often just listen. You tell them how you were before and you tell them after you gave your life to Christ and how the Lord came and dealt with your heart and soul and you've been changed they cannot take that away from you because that is your personal testimony and that is the most powerful thing you have. The next one here is pastor. The Greek word is pomon. It's meaning shepherd. A shepherd is a feeder of the flock. He is a protector and he is also the ruler of the flock. Isaiah forty eleven, He shall feed his flock like a shepherd He shall gather the lambs with his arms And carry them in his bosom And he shall gently lead those That are with young You know a shepherd It's a great responsibility They need to be vigilant And they need to have a love for their flock And that love goes 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. They have to be vigilant and they have to love their flock. That word feed means to take responsibility for the needs of the flock. You know, we still we also have responsibilities. That word also shepherd Shepherds see, they see value in a soul and they hold that soul close to their heart. Do we see value in souls? Do we see value when we see somebody that is lost? Are we being that shepherd? You know, when I, I think of something of value, I've mentioned this before, but as a kid, we, I collected baseball cards. I don't think a lot of people collect baseball cards anymore, or any cards anymore. In the late 80s and uh, early 90s, we believed that those cards were going to be worth something. They they ended up being worth very little. But I did remember one thing, that when you got a card that you believed to be valuable, you would put it in a little plastic case. And then if you got a card that you believed to even be more valuable, you would put it in a little harder plastic case. I remember one time my dad bought me a an er, Ernie Banks card. It was probably from like the 50s and I remember that card it came in two pieces of plastic with four screws, one on each corner because we believed that to be valuable. We wanted to protect it and believe that by protecting it and protecting the corners, that one day that card would have value. We want to look at souls the same way. As Christians, we want to see lost souls, and we want to see the value in those souls. The fifth one here is a teacher. A teacher is an instructor of knowledge, and also the Bible scripture. This could be maybe a Sunday school teacher, maybe somebody who... Uh, Leading a, a Bible study. James 3 1 reads, My brethren, be not many masters, nor that ye shall receive the greater combination. The word there, master, means teacher or instructor. Greater combination means you will be judged more strictly. You know, one thing that when you, when you, Hopefully, when you get saved, you, you get a hunger for the word of God. When I got saved at 16 years old, the first thing I did, I went out and bought myself a, a new Bible. I've mentioned this also before, that I wanted the biggest one they had at the store. So I found the biggest one. It also had very large print in that Bible. I realized later that large print was for those who had trouble seeing I had no trouble seeing, but I just wanted to buy the biggest Bible. But one thing that that Bible had, it had it in the front and the back of it. One part it had, it had the 23rd Psalms. It had the Beatitudes. It also had the Ten Commandments. And I remember taking time memorizing those scripture and those verses. We don't want to just read the Word of God. We want to become a student of the Word of God. We want to take the Word and we want to apply the Word of God to our lives. A teacher also takes care of teaching the truth and not their own opinion. We want to make sure that we teach the word of God. I'm thankful that we can come to a church that teaches the word of God. You know, we want to be careful that we preach God's version and not our version. God, we want to make sure that we allow the Lord to speak to people's hearts And our job is just to be that ambassador and show that love and that kindness and let the Holy Spirit lead them. You know, we also want to make sure we don't contradict the Bible. We want to make sure that we not just do as I say, not as I do. We want to make sure that we're doing what we are preaching or what we are teaching because we are an ambassador of Jesus. Jesus. I, always, I tell my son, I call them the, the basketball dads. They always sit on the sideline, and then they say little comments back and forth between maybe to their, their sons. And often I will hear them say, you know, you need to run a little faster, or when you get home, we're going to have to make you do more push-ups. And what's, I, I, I kind of joke around at the house. With my kids on this, and I tell them I I look at a lot of those dads, and I don't think they've done a push up in twenty years themselves. They're they're giving their kids really really good advice. The things they're telling their kids would be the right thing to be a better athlete, but they're not heeding to their own advice. We want to make sure when it comes to spiritual things, if we want our kids to to go further in the gospel as parents, we want to make sure that we're living the way that God would want us to live. We want to make sure that we're following the word of God and that we are teaching the whole Bible to our children. The last part here I kind of want to go over. I think there's two great examples um, in First Kings chapter uh, 19. We, we see the life here of Elijah, and we also see the life of Elijah. The question could be asked, what makes us qualified? 2 Timothy 2, verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. It said, sanctified, meet for the master's use, and prepared For every good work. You know, we see here in chapter 19 that Elijah was starting to burn out. He was starting to to feel bad for himself. To the point that he even traveled, it says, 40 days and 40 nights away from what he believed to be a problem. He believed that he was going to be killed. He believed that there was nobody left serving God. We know that both of those statements were false. You know, sometimes we, we make things up in our own head. We, I, I truly do believe that God had protected Elijah up to that point. God was going to keep protecting him. We do know later God let him know that there were 7,000 others in Israel that had not bowed down either. So truly, Elijah at this point was not alone. And I like what God asked him. He says, what are you doing here? How did you get so far away from a great victory that you just had earlier? Now you've traveled. I, I looked it up. I mean, if you went 40 days and you traveled an average of, they said, maybe 15 to 20 miles per day, he could have easily been a couple hundred miles away from where he should be. But, I, you know, we want to make sure that we are not running from the call of God, and when God is asking, "Where are we at, that we are where the Lord wants us to be so we can be used?" And what's even sadder about this, God asked him twice, "Where are you at?" and he gave him the exact same answer twice. But I do like the response that we see with Elijah in first kings 19 nineteen. It says, so he departed thence and found Elijah, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yokes of oxen before him. And he with the 12th and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. We see here that uh, uh, Elijah, he was out plowing his field. Elijah says, came by. He passed his cloak across his shoulders and Elijah, the first thing he immediately did was stop what he was doing. And he asked Elijah, I just want to do one thing. I want to go back and I want to say goodbye to my parents. One other thing that he did, it said that he uh, he burnt his oxen. He even used the wood from the plow to burn, to cook the meat. And then he went around the town handing out that oxen meat. Many believe that the burning of the oxen and the plow was a former of his formal, a symbol of his formal, former life. You know, we too, when we get saved, we have to get rid of those things that are behind us. We have to make sure that we are heading forward. We can't let those things in our old life come and attach themselves to us if they are going to hinder us from going forward. Elijah wanted nothing to hinder him as he was going forward. So he was willing to get rid of all the things of his former life just so he could be where God could use him. Where are you at spiritually today? Are you feeling like Elijah or are you where Elijah is, where you're willing to be fully committed in letting the Lord lead you? Luke twenty-four, forty-nine, and says, Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power on high. You know, it was important then, and it is important today. That we are filled with the Holy Spirit. God realized that before the disciples could go out, he told them to wait and to tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued with power on high. It is important today that young people are filled with the Holy Spirit. It is important that middle-aged people are filled with the Holy Spirit. It is important that older people are filled with the Holy Spirit. We need young people. We need all ages. If we want to go forward and we truly want to be able to use, be used of God the way that God wants us to be used, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. God knew how important it was for them that before they even could leave, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we know that the day of Pentecost, where. I think about 120 were up there. The Holy Spirit came down and filled them, and we've seen a boldness about them. We need that boldness upon our life. We need to have that Holy Spirit tonight upon our life. If we are not where God wants us are tonight, or we are not where God wants us to be tonight, we need to get lined up. We need to get where the Lord wants us. But the most thing is, if you're not, maybe not. You might not even get your baptism tonight. You know, sometimes it takes a little bit of work. Sometimes you have to start to dig in. It takes some prayer meetings to get it. But I'm thankful that even in my own life, it didn't just... I often said that I I seek my baptism for one week. I had seeked it for a while... But it wasn't until I really got serious. I got to the point where that was the only thing that I wanted. And I remember for that week, I just spent all my time coming home from school, reading my Bible, spending time in my room, on my knees. And I am so thankful it was a Friday night that the Holy Spirit came down and filled me. I'm thankful that that same power that the disciples and those people that... We're able to get back then. We can have that on our lives today. Let's take this opportunity. It's 588 and the altars are open.